Genesis chapter 35, Genesis chapter number 35, we're going to read from verse 1 through to 7. Genesis chapter 35, from verse 1 through to verse number 7. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Somebody say, go up to Bethel and settle there. Say that like you mean it, go up to Bethel. Oh, I can't hear you. Go up to Bethel and settle there. Amen. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of your foreign gods you, you, have, you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Somebody say change your clothes. Or say like it means change your clothes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then come and let us go to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the, the foreign gods they had and rings and, in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak of Shechem. Hallelujah. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on, all, on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to lose, that is Bethel, the land, in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because it is there that God revealed himself to him when he, had, when he was fleeing from his brother. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now, for us to really understand this text that we have just read today, I would like to give you a context of the text. Is that okay? I want to situate this story in, um, in the right setting so that you can understand where this particular uh, text we have read is and its significance to us today. Amen. Now, we know from, from, from the Bible that Isaac had twins, two boys. One was called Esau and the other was called Jacob. Hallelujah. And uh, Esau was the elder brother because he came first. But just as Esau was getting out of the mother's womb, Isaac, uh, Jacob held on to the brother's foot. So, when he came out after the firstborn, he was called Jacob, the heel snatcher, the trickster, the guy who is not very, very true. He's dodgy. He's a dodgy person. How many Jacobs do I have here? Do dodgy, dodgy. Uh, today you are nice, tomorrow you are not. You are, uh, if you can get away one over somebody, you will do it. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? If you can, if you can swindle somebody, you will do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was Jacob. And, and so Jacob and I, I, uh, Esau were, were, were raised together by the same father, same mother, in the same house. They were growing, but the father, Isaac, loved Jacob. No, loved Esau, and the mother, Rebekah, loved Jacob. 
Are you getting the story? And one day, one day, this guy, Esau, was a hunter. He always go to the forest to look for bush meat. And uh, Isaac, sorry, Jacob was a mommy's boy, always by the mother. Are you getting the story? And so one day, one day, Esau had gone for a hunt and he didn't get much and he was very, very frustrated. He came home and he said to him, this is chapter, chapter 27, he came to his brother and he said to his brother, give me some of your pottage stew so that I can drink, I can eat because I'm starving. And his brother said, I'll make a deal. I told you, Jacob, he's a deal, deal maker. He's a supplanter. If he can get swindle one over you, he will do it. He's, he's, he, he takes opportunity to defraud people. That is him. Hallelujah. So, so, so he said, I'll give you some of my food, but let us have a transaction. There is nothing free. There's no free lunch. I'll do this for you. If you give me, if you sell your birthright to me, then I will give you the food to eat. Just a lunch. We are going to exchange one lunch for your destiny. You are going to exchange one lunch for your, you know, before you criticize Jacob, remember that some of us, we have exchanged one lunch for our destiny. A guy just bought you noodles and uh, one-ton soup. And you sacrificed all your Christianity for that boy. Hallelujah. Before you criticize Jacob, a boy said, girl, girl, I love you. You know, I can't, I can't even focus. I can't even sleep. Anytime I, I hear your, your voice, I look at your picture every morning. I kiss your picture every morning before. <laughs> then you start going. They, you, you, they didn't even give you soup. They didn't give you porridge. They didn't give you a stew. You are, you are, you are, just, you are selling your birthright. They just gave you mere word, empty words. They just dropped their voice a little bit. I missed you so much that I kissed your picture last night. <laughs> when he hasn't called for two minutes, your, 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 your heart is beating. You have just exchanged your whole destiny for a boy who has mastered the art of Giving sweet nothing words to boy, to girls. After you, he's calling Sandra. After Sandra is calling Susie. After Susie is calling Jemima. After Jemima is calling Watamelandra. She has the names. Not Sandra. Oh, sorry. Okay, Jessica. Is there Jessica here? Hallelujah. I, I, I'm giving you the picture, the, the background to the story. So, so this, this. This deal maker says to his, his uh, 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 older brother, sell your birthright. And the guy said, I'm starving. Just give me food. Okay, if you want my birthright, have it. Listen, never ever sell your birthright. Never sell your birthright to anybody. Never ever exchange your salvation for anything. There is nothing that is worth it. Hallelujah. No man, no woman, no job is worth your salvation. No extra come will give you double pay. It's worth your salvation. I always say to any boss that I've worked for that you cannot pay me to come to, to work on Sunday. It, it's how much would it cost? It's, it's, it's priceless. My destiny depends on it. 
After all, how much can you pay me? Compared to my destiny. Because I know that in the house of the Lord, one word, one key, unlocks the door for every blessing that I need. One word will unlock. What is it that I have to gain the whole world and lose my soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? I will not do that. But Esau did. And so, Jacob, this was a spiritual transaction. It was an innocuous transaction. It it wasn't a transaction that was real. He said, sell me your birthright and and I'll give you the food. He said, okay, I sold it. Take it. It's monopoly money. There was no physical exchange. But in the realm of the spirit, there was a transaction. Listen, every word you say has a spiritual connotation. Am I talking to somebody? Every word, every idle word will be judged because every word that you say has a spiritual connotation. See, that have my, my birthright and give me the food. That was it. Then the father said to his dearly beloved Esau, go out to the bush and get some bush meat and come and prepare the stew and the food that only you can prepare that is nice so that I can eat and bless you. There's, there's a lot of meat there, but I'll leave it alone. If you want to be blessed by a spiritual authority, by a father figure, learn to feed their stomach and they'll bless you. I'll leave that alone. Hallelujah. Because there's always a, an exchange. It, it, the Bible says, if communicate in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 6, communicate with those that communicate, those that bless you, communicate in, in, in earthly things for them as they give you spiritual things so that there's a complete spiritual transaction. Am I talking to somebody? Hallelujah. So, so now, uh, we are still in chapter 27. The, the, the brother has gone out to the bush to look for meat. But you know, the mother overheard it. And the mother knew that the, the Isaac is a farmer. And Isaac has some sheep and some meat around. So he told, I, I, he told Jacob, so Jacob has, so he told Jacob, go and catch one of your father's sheep. Bring it. Let me make stew the way your brother does. So that you put you put some hair on your, on your skin like your brother's hair and go and trick. Go and do your work as Jacob. Go and trick your father. So the Bible says that this, this boy did exactly what the mother said and went to the father. And the father said, I, hear, I smell and I feel the skin of my beloved son Esau. But the voice sounds like Jacob. They said, no, it is Esau. So he released all the blessings. The blessing of the firstborn, which is seven times that of anybody else, was released to the secondborn, that is Jacob, instead of Esau. And so when Esau came back and saw that he had been, he had, his birthright had been stolen, he had forgotten that just a few verses earlier, he had sold it. And the guy had taken it. That is the reason why God never punished Jacob, because you sold it to him. It was a spiritual transaction, but it had the physical connotation. Am I talking to somebody? And, and, and so here is the case. The guy comes and is angry and decides that he's going to kill his brother. 
So his brother gets wind of it that your, your older brother Esau wants to kill you. So he, begins, he began to run. We are now in chapter 28. So he ran and he went to a place. As he was running away to go to his, his uncle's house, he got to a place in the night and he fell. He was so tired, he took a stone and put it for a pillow and he slept. And he had an encounter with God. And he said, now surely this is the, the house of God. And he made a covenant and a vow with God that if God will be with me in the place that I'm going and bring me back safely and give me peace, prosperity, and everything, then he will be my God and I'll serve him. And anything that I gain, I'll give him seven, uh, 10%. So he made a vow with God there. And then he 20, 29, 30, he goes to Laban's house. He works for uh, 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 Leah and then to, to Rachel. And then uh, he begins to prosper because he comes to a, a deal with his, his boss. That's his uncle. That, listen, I'm going to do a deal with you. Uh, don't pay me. Just, just give me the the spotted and the speckled sheep. So, and you see, Laban thought he was wise because he had, he had already swindled Jacob. It's in the blood. He had swindled him because when he worked seven years for, for Rachel, they gave Leah instead in the night and he didn't see. Never marry in the night. I say never ever marry in the night. You may marry the wrong person. We will talk about that next week and the week. Never, when I say never marry in the night, I don't mean literally because I got married in the night. But don't pick in the night. We'll talk about that next week. This is not the time. Uh, listen, don't miss February. Don't miss it, whatever you do. If you are single, make sure next week you are here. If you are single, make sure that Valentine's Day you are here. If you want to be married, make sure you are here. And if you are married, be here because we'll, we'll get into some things. Hallelujah. So, so 31, he, he encounters Laban and, and they, have, they have an exchange. And then he, he realizes that his, his uncle is a corn artist. But you see, a corn man cannot corn a corn man. <laughs> My father always says that you cannot, a joker cannot joke a joker. You know, when he's like, where are you coming from? He say, oh, I'm coming from school. Meanwhile, the school finished about seven, seven hours. He said, look at you. A joker cannot joke a joker. I've been there. I've been, me and myself, I'm a joker. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so after he had uh, prospered, the uncle thought that speckled and spotted sheep, there are only a few of them. So it's like the deal is every, for every uh, number of sheep that you, you have, the spotted and speckled one belongs to me. That is my percentage. That will be my salary. So no problem. So they signed that contract. And you see, Jacob being smart, killed one of the spotted and the speckled sheep and hung it in the place where the sheep go to mate. And so when they went to mate, they will see the spotted and the speckled uh, sheepskin. And so, you see, what you see and what you feed on is what you produce. Am I talking to somebody? What you see and what you feed on is what you produce. Uh, I don't know whether you understood what I said. What, is it okay to come down? Listen, you know, there are times that 
you have some temptation that you've been tempted, uh, is tempting, you are being tempted, and tempted. It's because of what you have always seen. And what you are feeding on. Because what you see, what you feed on is what you become. It's not what you are saying. It's, you can pray on the prayer. If you are looking at the wrong thing, the wrong thing will come out of you. It is not all the times you come to church. If you are hearing the wrong thing, it's only, church is only an hour. You hear the word only 45 minutes. So that is not enough to live on it. If you want church to, you to produce church things, then feed on the church things. Am I talking to somebody? Feed on the word of God. Feed on worship. Feed on watch. We, now in this day and age, we have YouTube. Watch church every day. And I guarantee you, the spotted and speckled is what you produce. Hallelujah. So, so now they started looking at this spotted and speckled sheep. You see, Laban wasn't there, so they didn't know what was going on. But all of a sudden, all, only spotted and speckled sheep are being produced. Instead of white or black sheep, it is spotted sheep. You know, like the, the dress that uh, Reverend Gloria is wearing. That, those are the type of sheep that have been produced. Before long, the father had fewer sheep than the uncle. The uncle had fewer sheep than Laban, uh, than Jacob. You know? And Jacob, Laban became jealous. And Laban was trying to plot to kill. You see, tricksters, they are very wicked and mean people because they are selfish. <laughs> so he became jealous. So they, 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 uh, Jacob confronted his wife, Leah, he called Leah and Rachel and said, that, listen, your father wants to kill me. I came to an agreement with your father that he would take all the white sheep and the black sheep and give me the spotted ones. Because the spotted ones at the time were only about seven. Have I done anything wrong? That now the spotted and speckled sheep are a thousand. And the white and black sheep only add to 200. Is it my fault? And then the girl said that, listen, our father's inheritance belongs to us. And if our father, you have paid the dowry, 14 years you worked for us. And our father has squandered the money that you paid for us. So whatever belongs to you is yours. Then Jacob said, if this is what you guys are saying, then pack your things. Tonight we are leaving. So they left without telling Laban that they are going. The only mistake was that Rachel took one of the father's gods, small g gods. So when the father came, that Laban came and saw that the gods were gone, he chased them and caught them. So Jacob was afraid. And Jacob was like, I haven't done anything wrong. He said, let me search. And they searched and found that it was Rachel that had taken. So they took it back. And then he had a covenant with um, his, his uh, nephew, is it? Nephew, Jacob, and then they left. So now, they have left their uncle's, his uncle's house. He's going back. But remember, his, he was run away from chapter uh, 27. He ran away, 28. He ran away from his brother. Now he's going to meet his brother. So he's very scared. Are you getting a story? He's very scared. And so he decides that he's going to send his wives, his, he divides his wives into 
two wives into two companies and send them away so that when the brother comes and sees that he hasn't, I mean, that's him. He's not done anything much. He hasn't become richer than me. Then the brother will not kill him. So in that, that night, just before he, he, he will meet his brother, he had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with an angel of the Lord. And the Bible says that he wrestled with the angel the whole night. And when the dawning of the morning was happening, was coming, the, the, the angel said, let me go. I mean, by this time, his, his, uh, his, socket, his hand had gone out of the socket bone. I mean, that's how vigorous he was fighting because he wanted a blessing. And he said to the angel, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You know, sometimes we, we as Christians, we don't know how to wrestle with God. In Hebrews, the Bible says that you have not resisted unto death. That is why some of the problems we have continues to harass us. We have to learn how to wrestle. Am I talking to somebody? So here is the case. Now, the angel, is, he's wrestled with the angel. Morning is coming. The angel wants to leave. He says, now, what is your name? He says, my name is Trickster. My name is Hillcatcher. My name is the dodgy one. And he says that, no, your name is not what they call you. You know, it is not what people call you that's important. It's what you respond to. If they call you lazy and you respond to lazy, you become lazy. If they call you useless and you respond to useless, you become useless. If they call you no good and you respond to no good, you become no good. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, it's like if they call you, you are black, you, you are nobody, you can't amount to any, and you respond to it. You affirm it, then it becomes you. But no, I am not. I employ people bigger than that. Hallelujah. Amen. I am what God says I am, not what you say I am. But Jacob said that they've called me a trickster, and all my life I have lived as a trickster. Then the angel said, no, your name is not Jacob. Your name is Israel, which means that you have favor with God and favor with men. Hallelujah. You shall have favor with God and favor with men. Hallelujah. And the angel blessed him. Unfortunately, someone said unfortunately. Even though Israel, Jacob's name has been changed to Israel. He could not live the name of Israel. He lived the name of Jacob. I don't know whether you understood what I said. He had been called Israel. So he, from that day, his name should have been what? Israel. But you see, they say a leopard, they say a leopard cannot change his spot. Is that a saying like that? Even though this guy had become a Christian, there was no change in his life. He had been come born again. He started going to church. But he's still smoking. He's still drinking. He's still injecting pills. He's still doing whatever he did before long. Nothing has changed. He is Israel by his operating as Jacob. Ask me why I know what I'm saying. Now, after he had left, if you were Israel, where would you go? Where would be the first place you go? Remember, he encountered God in chapter 28. And God, he made a vow with God, an agreement with God. And from that time, God has protected him all these years. And now he's come back into 
the land, Canaan, instead of going to Bethel where he encountered God, do you know where he went? He went to Shechem. And Shechem is the place of bad people. Because Jacob cannot become Israel or Israel overnight. Ah, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I don't think you are getting the, the, the story. Are you getting it? Yeah. So sometimes we, we struggle with our Christianity. We struggle with within ourselves because we are trying to live a Christian life, but our own life is also pulling us. So we, we tend to compromise by living amongst the people that we have always lived with. And how many know that the people that you live with, they will always influence you the wrong way? Am I talking to somebody? Oh, are you with me? So I am now in chapter 33. He moves to Shechem and he settles there. Chapter 34, his daughter Diana is raped in Shechem. I told the Shechem, the people are not too good. They saw, he said, the Bible says, and Diana went with the daughters of Shechem just to go out. To just go out, to be like them. See, when you live among them, before you realize you are going out with them. You want to be like them. You want to fraternize with them. And she just went out to fraternize. I'm chapter 34, in case you wanted to see. And he says that, went out to see the daughters of the land. And the prince of Shechem, his name is called Shechem, the son of Hanon. This guy saw Diana and raped Diana. Which was, first of all, God has made a covenant with Jacob that Isaac, his father, that he should never marry amongst the heathen, amongst the land that the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Perizzites. So those were, it was a no-go area. That is how come Jacob had to go all the way to Laban's place to get a, a wife. And so if there was going to be a husband for Diana, it would have to be from Laban's place, not from here. But because of his hardness of ear, instead of going to Bethel, the place of God, he stays in the place of Shechem. And look at what has happened. Now, they have defiled her. And so Jacob, sensing that the mistake started from him, he went to the guys and said, listen, what you have done is wrong. But the guy said, okay, fine, listen, we will marry her. Because we know this is a scandal. We don't want any scandal. So you let's make it hush-hush and marry. And Jacob agreed, okay, fine. We will just hush-hush, let's marry my daughter. Of, even though that's against the will of God, we will do it like that. So the only condition is that make sure that you circumcised all the men around. So they circumcised all the men. Levi and Simeon, sons of Jacob, said no. We will not sit down for our sister to be defiled and then be sold off to an uncircumcised prince. So when the men had been circumcised and they were sore and could not fight, Simeon and Levi took the sword and went to town and killed all the young men. How many know that when the uh, the uh, Canaanites and the Perizzites around hear what has happened, they will say that this Jacob guy is a very bad person. 
Because even though uh, uh, the, the, uh, this Shechem people did wrong, you agreed to, marry, uh, to the contract of marriage. How come you have turned around and killed them? So there's a context that God comes in and says that now, let us go up to Bethel. And if you are looking for a subject title for today's message, let us go up to Bethel. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So God himself comes and intervenes in the situation and says that let us go to uh, chapter 35. I'm in chapter 35 now. And he says, then Jacob said, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Go up to the house of God and settle in the house of God. Don't settle in Shechem. Don't settle, settle in the land of Canaan or the land of the Perizzite or the Jebusite or the Gigasite. Settle in the house of God because in the presence of the Lord, there is pleasures of God forevermore. Hallelujah. So Jacob decides that if I am going to go to the house of God, I cannot go as Jacob. And my family cannot go as Jacob. So he says to his family, listen, we are going, so sanctify yourself. Put away your gods. I came to say to somebody, put away your gods. You are in Bethel, the house of the Lord. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said, you are in Bethel, the house of the Lord. He said to this household, go, all of you, get rid of the foreign gods and purify yourselves. Get rid of your foreign gods. I mean, verse 2. Get rid of the foreign gods and purify yourselves. Because we are about to go up to the house of the Lord. We are about to live the life of Israel instead of the life of Jacob. Now I'm going to become Israel for real. Instead of living this dodgy life, today I'm Jacob, tomorrow I'm Israel. You realize that later on in life, God was addressing Jacob, and anytime God addressed Jacob, he addressed them with two names, Jacob and Israel. Because even though he was Israel, the Jacob was still in him. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, the Israel was, he was always struggling with the Jacob. But one thing I like about Jacob is that he took a decisive decision to go up to the house of the Lord and stay there. Hallelujah. You know, normally Covenant Sunday or, or, or Shiloh service, we, we like to talk about the vows. We talk about covenants. We talk about vows that people make. But today I want us to talk about the house of God, the place where the covenant is made. That is the place I want us to talk about. The first thing I want you to understand about the house of God, about uh, uh, Bethel, is that Bethel was a place. If you go back, I'll give you a little history. In, in, in chapter 21, that was the place that Abraham and Abimelech had a covenant. Are you with me? It's the same place, you realize that it's the same place that the Lord appeared to Abraham. And said to Abraham, I'll make your descendants like the stars of the, of the skies and like the, the sun on the seashore. Bethel is not a simple place. When you move on a little bit, you realize that Bethel was the same place Isaac dug a well. And there, they did not strive with him. And he named that place Rehoboth, 
For there the Lord gave him rest. And the Lord appeared to Isaac as well as he had appeared to his father Abraham and made the covenant, he reiterated the covenant he made with his father that I will make your descendants great like the stars of the heavens and like the uh, sun on the seashore. I will make your descendants like that. Same place. See, sometimes we as Christians, we trivialize the house of God. We don't treat Bethel with respect. That is how come we don't, we don't see what we see. In fact, before we go on, let us go to the, chapter 28 so that you look at the Bethel experience. Then it will give us a little bit of sense. As, go to 28 verse 10. I'll start from 10. And Jacob went from Bathsheba and went to Haran. Quickly. And he lighted up upon a certain place and tarried there. Give me the new King James. Tarried there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it on his head and lay on it in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heavens, and there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. And uh, behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the God of Abraham. Remember, Abraham had the same experience in that place. Isaac had the same experience in that place. Now Jacob, his, the grandson, is also having the same experience. I am the Lord, your, your father, the, the, the Lord, your God of Abraham, your father, and the God of what? Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. And your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, same as Abraham had, same as Isaac had, same as Jacob is hearing now. Hallelujah. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And behold, I am with you and I'll keep you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Amen. And Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, surely the Lord was in this place. And I knew it not. Somebody say, say, this, say it with me. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. See, so that is the critical thing. That sometimes we come to the house of God, but we don't feel the God of the house. We don't realize that anytime you go to the house of a big man, that big man is there. You cannot go into Buckingham Palace and not expect to see any of the royalties or the royals. Are you with me? You cannot go if they live in Sandrinam and you, you went to Sandrinam and if you have gone, you want to have an audience with the queen. You cannot go and run, just go and drive around, enter one place and then come out and say that I went to the, the queen's palace. You didn't go there. Sometimes we go, we come to the house of God, and because we have no expectation of seeing God, we don't see God, and we go back. And that is how come we have never had an encounter with God. He says that, listen, the Lord was in this place. When he took the pillow, when he came uh, and he was tired and rested, the Lord was there. When he took the pillow, the Lord was there. 
It was only when he became unconscious and asleep. That was when God revealed himself. Some of us, we are too alive in the house of God. When the pastor is preaching, you are thinking, what, why is he saying what he's saying? What, who has said this to him? He's talking about me now. He's saying, you are too alive. That's why God can't speak to you. Let me leave it and go on. <laughs> Verse 17. And he was afraid. He had some reverential fear. That is one thing that we don't have in Bethel. We have to have a heart. You see, listen, in the, when you go to the Catholic church, there's a certain thing that they do. It, it, it sounds like religion, but it has, it has connotation in the Bible. When you go to the Catholic church, when they are walking to, to the aisle and they come towards the altar, they just bow. Anytime they are living around the altar, they bow. Why? Because the house of God must command some reverential fear. Am I talking to somebody? You can't just come, you eat, you throw some things around, you just crack silly jokes in the house of God, and just, it's just a room. You don't understand better. I say you don't understand better. Hallelujah. This is the house of God. And we have to be afraid of the house of God. When you go to Buckingham Palace, you have to wear your nicest clothes. You have to behave yourself. You have to have some curtsy. You don't go and you just chew gum and put it under the seat. Chew gum and then drop it on the carpet. You drink your water and you just chuck it on the floor and then you are gone. You don't understand better. Hallelujah. You don't understand better. That is how come we have reduced the house of God into a common room. A place we gather socially to just chat and dance and go away. Hallelujah. But from today we are repenting. I say from today we are repenting. He says that I, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Someone say this is the gate of heaven. This is the place where we have spiritual interaction. Where heaven meets, divinity meets humanity. We have interaction. When we are praying, we are having interaction because we are telling heaven what we want. And heaven is giving us answers through his word. Hallelujah. It's a place of divine. See, when you go to the bank, you don't go to the bank to go and ski. You don't go to the bank to go and play bingo. You don't go to the bank to go and watch a movie. When you go to the bank, what do you do? You have financial transaction. When you go to the movie, what do you do? You go and watch a film. You don't go to a, the movie and take your book that you are going to study. Tomorrow you have exams. It's the wrong place for you. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? It is the wrong place. That is not the place for, for, for studying. I need concentration. So you are studying in the, in the nightclub. Are you serious? Hallelujah. Are, are you understanding me? Yeah. So when you come to the house of God, that's not the time to make your, your shopping list. So I would say, mm. now I'm talking to you. That's not the place you send text message after lunch, after church, I'm coming for lunch. Are you there? Hmm. 
He arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Listen to what he said. Go on, next one. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was loose previously. Then Jacob made a vow. See, Jacob, as, as uh, cunning as he is, as sly as he is, as smart as he is in terms of craftiness, he knew spiritual things have to be treated spiritually. He knew that when you come to the house of God, you make spiritual transactions. You don't make physical transactions. You don't just come and pass by the house of God and go scot-free. You do what you have to do in the house of the Lord. He made a vow. Somebody say he made a vow. He made a vow saying that if God, what you have said is true, that you'll be with me. If what you have said, that you, you provide passage, you provide shelter, you provide my, you supply my needs and bring me back to this place. 21. So that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then you shall be my God. And this very stone which I have set as a pillar, shall be the house of God. I will build God a house. This is Jacob talking, not Israel. If you are going to be with me, I will build God a house. See, today, modern Jacobs don't even know how to quote the scripture. We, we do can't build a God a house. In the house of God, that's where money is very, is more, it has more worth than its value. Five pounds looks like 50 pounds. And 10 pounds looks like 1,000 pounds. But this is a smart guy, a heel catcher, a supplanter, who is running. He's on the run. There, there, there's, a, there's a movie, Nuns on the Run. Have you heard that movie before? He's running, but he stops to, to recognize that this is a spiritual place, and I need to give it the utmost attention, spiritual attention. He didn't say that, I'm going to run, I'm in a hurry, I'm busy. Uh, I'll come back after Jacob has, uh, Esau has stopped chasing me. Esau is still chasing him, but he stops. He pours oil on the stone, and he makes a vow in that place. Am I talking to somebody? And go on, next one. He said, everything that you give, I shall give a tenth. So the Lord, so Jacob went, surely as Jacob went, his journey, and he came to the land of the east. So he has, that was the encounter. So now we have gone round the story, and he has slipped. He's landed in Shechem, and he has had a bad encounter, and now God says that, let go back up to the place where you should have been in the first place. That is where you should have been, but you made a mistake. Go back to that place. And when he, he called his people and said to them, Sanctify yourselves. Don't just go to the house of the Lord with your dirty hands. Don't go to the house of the Lord with your gods. Some of us come to the house of the Lord. Our God is in our pocket. Your boyfriend is in your pocket. Your crack is in your pocket. Your, your smoke is in your pocket. Your, your, uh, you know your things. Your, your yours. Your yours is in your pocket. How do you come to the house of God with your yours? <laughs> You didn't get some people are just what, what is this man talking about? Hurry up and let's go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Am I preaching? Ah, I can't feel you at all this morning. I don't know what's going on. 
He says, Jacob's purpose is to erect a stone to memorialize the occasion. How many times do we memorialize our encounter with God? Do you know what a memorial is? You set something aside. The day God visited, you write it somewhere in your Bible. You had a dream, you write it somewhere. You have an encounter with God, you write it. You get a prophecy, you write it, you memorialize it. So when it happens, you go back to it. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Come with me to 1 Timothy 3. Don't worry, I'm finishing now. 1 Timothy 3. Verse 14 to 16. These things are right to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God. Someone say, conduct yourself in the house of God. Behave yourself in the house of, the, of God. Hallelujah. Behave your, how to conduct yourself in the house of the Lord, which is the church of the living, someone say living God. If the Bible you are using belongs to you, circle the word living God. The house of God is a house of the living God. You see, when Jacob named the place El Bethel, the word El Bethel means God of the house. Bethel is house. El is God. El Elyon, El Shaddai, Elohim. The El is God. So God the provider God my healer, God my deliverer, God my sustainer. So El Shaddai provider. Do you understand? So God El. So the word El in the original Hebrew is God. So Bethel in the Hebrew language means house. So El Bethel means God house. And here Paul is saying that it, you're going to the house of the living God the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of what? Truth. So when you come to the house of God, it's a pillar and a ground of truth. You don't peddle lies in the house of truth. Am I talking to somebody? You don't come to the house of God and behave as if the, God, the house of the dead God. See, we have put a lot of monuments in the house of the Lord, made it so dingy and made it so dated and antique, uh, antiquated uh, so that people don't have a, 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 a sense that this place is a house of a living God. See, a house of a living God is different from a house of a dead God. Okay, let's remove God aside. A house of a living person is different from a house of a dead person. Have you ever been to a house of a dead person before? When you go to the house of a dead person, there, there's dust all over the place. There are cobwebs all over the place. Nothing has moved. Everything has remained the same since the day he died till the day you entered. I remember when I went to my father's room. After a, a, a year or so after he had died, I went to his, his room. When he died, they locked the door. Nobody went in. So when I came, they gave me the key that nobody has been in since he died. So you go. So I went in. I opened the door. The whole place was dusty. The sandals that I had just bought for him was there. All the things. He came to my house and seized some items. 
camera and phone and things. They were all there. Dust had covered all of them. That is the house of a dead person. When you go, it is not livable. It is dingy. It is spooky. It has a lot of... Do you understand what I'm saying? But the house of a living person feels lively. It feels light. It feels truthful. It feels lived in. Are you getting it? So when you come to the house of God, let us not treat it like a dead person's house. Hallelujah. Let's have some respect. Hallelujah. And let us do the right transactions there. When you come to the house of a living person, let's say you've gone to a big man's house and you have gone for help. When you go to a big man's house to go and ask for help, you don't go and sit in front of him and start telling him what the business you are running. Who cares about the business you are running? You are in need. You need a couple of thousands to help boost your business, isn't it? You came for that reason. So you must be quiet and listen to him. And after he's finished speaking, you can tell him what your problem is. But a lot of people, when we come to the house of God, instead of listening to him, we sometimes we come and sleep as he's talking. Uh, you should have rang the bell long ago. You missed it. How many know what I'm talking about? We do everything but what we are supposed to do in a living house. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. The house of God is full of mystery. It is shrouded. You see, it, it appears as a normal place with chairs and with, with, with people. But it's shrouded in mystery because the power of God is hidden in common things. But those common things are not common. Ah, uh, you didn't hear what I said. Those common things, and that's how come we can we cannot relate with our pastor sometimes. Look at him, oh, this guy. It's why if you you're unfortunate to have a pastor who always dresses in a very funny way like me. It's like because if I was wearing my cassock and my frock every day, then you would really believe that I'm a priest. <laughs> then you know that I'm a vicar, isn't it? But because I don't wear my frock every time, there are some times when I wear my frock, people look at me funny, and they don't even want to come near me. The day I don't have my frock, that's when they come near me. But great is the mystery of godliness. It's mysterious. There is a power in the preaching of the word. There is a power in the songs we sing. There is a power in the music. You see, these same guys... When they are playing the music on a day when there's no church, it is just music. But when the presence of God is here and they are playing the same music, the same guys, it has a different meaning. It has a different power. It brings a different atmosphere. It brings a, a different, because great is the mystery of godliness. Am I talking to somebody? See, the same person, you can be chatting with me and I will crack jokes and everything. But when I come to the house of God and I'm on the pulpit and I'm talking, it, it has another power. It has another spirit. You know, if you are not spiritually sensitive, you miss out on it. You will sleep through the dream that Jacob had. 
Am I talking to somebody? You sleep through the encounter and not hear God say that I'll be with you. You won't hear it. Let's go. Go quickly. Go back, go back to uh, 35. Let's finish. Let me finish. I, I wish I could do this, but my time is gone. But let, let's put it somewhere that we can leave it for now. 35. Go to maybe verse 3. Quickly, quickly. Genesis 35, 3. Let us arise, go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there. Somebody say altar there. See, the house of God is the house of altar, altars. And an altar is a strong place. As an altar is what? A strong place. An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place where you put yourself to be sacrificed. An altar is a place where your petitions are laid with the sacrifice. An altar is a place where the power and the strength behind you is generated. You know, there are altars. You, if you go, you see the voodoos and the witchcraft, they have altars. Those uh, palm readers and the chiropractors and uh, glass, uh, whatever, soothsayers, they have altars. They have glasses. They have some shrines. They have things they look into, like a crystal ball. And those are altars. And those are the secrets behind the power they operate in. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the house of God, there is also the altar of God, which is backed by the power of God. And that is the place that you and I need to derive our power from. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. So he said, let us go to Bethel and make, I'll make an altar there. I'll make an altar. Tonight, we are going to make an altar before we leave here. You and I will make an altar, and that altar will look after you, will back you throughout the year. I said that altar will be with you. It will give you good fortune. That altar will speak for you. Hallelujah. I remember once I was working somewhere, and they said that a company had bought our company. And you see, anytime any company buys any other company, the first department they get rid of is the finance or accounting department. You understand? Because they don't need two accountants. They don't need two, because they already come with the accountant. So my department was the first department to go. And so they came to us and they said that they are only going to retain three. Three of the accountants, the rest, they are going to make you redundant. Then we're all sitting down working. You know when things like that happen, everybody's tensed. And everybody's pretending to work, but they are not working. They are all, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, so everybody was, you know, and then I saw that this one would get up and go to this uh, girl's uh, place. Then this one, after you sit down, this one would get up and go to the same girl. Then, ah, so I asked, why are they going to this girl's place? No, no, the girl's mother or the girl herself is a palm, crystal ball palm reader. She's psychic. So when, when you go there, she will look into the thing and say that you are the one who will be made redundant. Then you transact with her, then she will exchange it for somebody else. Then you see that there's somebody else who will run and go, so who is this? You are the one. I'm just exchanging you for. <laughs> then, then. When I heard that thing, I got so angry. 
I walked to her and I said that you'll be gone and I'll be here. And I went to sit down because I have an altar. I said, because I have an altar. Guess what? Where all of them, all the soothsayers and the gang, they all left. They were all booted out. And I was there. In fact, I left the work to be a missionary and they were still paying me. For nine months, they were paying me when I wasn't working for them. For nine months, I worked for, I, I was getting my salary. I was living in France. I was getting my salary for me in nine months. I was not working for them, but I was being paid. Because I had an altar. Hallelujah. In El Betel, you build an altar for the Lord. And that altar will speak for you. In any adversity, that altar will speak for you. Hallelujah. In any accident, that altar will speak for you. I remember several years ago, I made an altar. This was going back more than 25 years ago. I made an altar that I would never miss a Sunday in the house of God. That every Sunday in the house, I'll be in the house of the Lord. I read the scripture and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I made that, that covenant with God. Over 25 years ago to today, I've never missed a Sunday in the house of God. You know what that means? That means that I've never been sick past a Sunday. Oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. I've never been, over 25 years ago, because that altar is still speaking. If you will be, if you be here every Sunday to worship me, then I will ensure that you are in health to come to the house of God every Sunday. I can tell you, I, you can ask my wife, I, I've never missed a Sunday. Even when I, we are on holiday, we'll find a church. Even if it's Mozambique, we'll go. 